Welcome to The Greg Bennett Show. I'm your host, Greg Bennett. And today I have a wonderful conversation with the rising star and one of the young US professional men to really take on the world of triathlon, Rudy Von Berg. Rudy goes into detail about his journey into the sport, watching his dad being a professional triathlete in the early 80s and then continuing to love the sport into the 90s. And Rudy was brought along to a lot of the big events that his dad did and just fell in love with the sport from a very early age. Just a lot of wonderful stories in this one. Um, Rudy is somebody that desperately wants to be one of the greatest in the sport and is doing everything he can to make that happen. I think you'll be inspired and entertained in this one. But before we go on, a little bit of housekeeping. Firstly, thank you so much for listening to the show and supporting it. It truly means the world to me that you'd share it. If you are enjoying it, I do encourage you to share it on your social platforms. And I also love your feedback. So please keep it coming. Open to any suggestions and uh, it means the world to me to hear from you. So please keep that coming. Also, you can support the show's partners, Athletic Brewing. Uh, They've been just absolutely fantastic and a great non-alcoholic beer. So go check them out. I hope you enjoy this conversation with Rudy Von Berg. I certainly did. And remember, success comes to those who endure just one moment longer. This episode is brought to you by Athletic Brewing. Anyone will tell you that I'm someone who loves to have a beer and there's always a beer in the fridge for me and or guests that pop in. But with kids, my work and just my overall health, I I, I can't and I don't drink often. I can't afford to not be on my game and and I simply don't like the foggy feeling I get by drinking alcohol. So I've tried non-alcoholic beers, but I guess I'm a bit of a beer snob because none of them have measured up to a real craft beer experience that I like. But now with Athletic Brewing, I can have a high quality, just flavorful and award-winning craft beer and it's only 50 to 70 calories per can and these beers just, they fit into any occasion so I don't have to compromise on my social life or choose between having a great beer and and just keeping my clarity. So go ahead and check them out at athleticbrewing.com. That's athleticbrewing.com or you can find them at your local liquor store or bottle shop and I'll let you know, I'll be having one every single episode I record. They're that good. All right, today I'm joined by one of the most successful middle distance triathletes on the planet, winning a multitude of the biggest Ironman 70.3s in the world and a podium placing at the Ironman 70.3 World Championships in 2019. He was all set for big performances at the championships in 2021 after winning the Ironman 70.3 Switzerland convincingly, but then he was hit with glandular fever or sometimes referred to as the kissing disease or mono. I think it's Epstein-Barr virus is probably the most accurate. And this was right before the inaugural Collins Cup and the Ironman 70.3 World Championships in St. George, where he had previously won. And I have no doubt that he would have been a major player at both of the visa events had he not had to withdraw. He's currently ranked 10th in the world and... Even missing those two critical events, he's still doing phenomenally well. He's one of the new generation of US men to be challenging to be number one. He's calm, he's cool, and he's passionate. Born in the USA, raised in the south of France, and now living and training out of the triathlon mecca of Boulder, Colorado. So welcome, and thanks for joining me on The Greg Bennett Show, Rudy Von Berg. How are you, mate? Hey, Greg. Uh, awesome intro. Yeah, you, you always have these uh, pretty solid intros. <laughs> I wish I, I wish I could have a copy-paste and have it and send it to brands when they want to buy or something. <laughs> hey, let's do it. Maybe that's a side gig for me. That'd be fun. No, honestly, yeah. I, I, I just I like to just read out your resume to some degree, mate. And, uh, you know, you and I have known each other for, 
what is it, five to ten years? Uh, probably going on ten years since we met. Close at, to ten because yeah. I think I met you first, um, my, my first year in Boulder. I started here in 2013. So it's, it's been eight already. That's right. And you, I think we met at Scott Carpenter Pool or the, the swim squad there, yeah. I'm sure. And I remember racing you in, uh, I think that must have been the, towards the last year of your career in St. Anthony's 2013 or 14. It basically was the end of my career. I did milk my career another couple of years where I probably should have stepped out in 2014, but I did keep going until 2016. But mate, first off, how are you feeling? I mean, I talked about glandular fever and mono in the intro there is the body coming around it was a pretty it was pretty rough mate i, I remember seeing you in samarin slovakia you were there you're excited about that race I'd, I'd heard interviews before and you were so excited about racing the collins cup and it was like that last 48 hours you said look i just can't my body's not turned up but how, how are you feeling now yeah that was really bad timing uh, when i got it uh, i mean right now uh, i'm pretty much back normal i'd say I mean, I hope it I, it doesn't come back. It can always come back, I think, if you, you train too hard too early. Mm. But I think it's been enough time that I'm pretty much out of it. Yeah, it, all in all, if, if this is the end of it, it would have been a good mono. Because I only didn't train for five weeks. Yeah. And a lot of guys, you know, it affected them for six months plus. So five weeks is really not bad. No, that's not bad. It, it was bad timing with the races I missed, but... Yeah, five weeks isn't too too terrible for a career. Yeah, it was hard. It was hard when you're on the starting line. You know, you were there. You'd made the trip to Slovakia. You were, you were there. I know Colin Chartier, who was the replacement for you, was very excited to get to, get to take your yeah. place. Um, mm-hmm. and, and he did a very good job, I thought, um, representing the US, especially the last minute call up. Uh, he was there to race the. The, the, was it the challenge race or whatever the day the after? The challenge championship the, that was scheduled the day after. Yeah, yeah. So he yeah. still did an outstanding job. But was that hard watching that race on the sideline? Yeah, it was super hard. I mean, uh, I really didn't want to be there. <laughs> well, originally I, I really <laughs> wanted to be there. And then I decided to still go because, I mean, we do get a high amount of appearance money to be there. And it's a race of excited to be at um for you know all year long i knew i was qualified because i was ranked first and then second american mm. and yeah so i decided to, to go and maybe i was gonna feel okay and i figured okay it's just the three of us maybe i can kind of stay with them um bike uh, swim and bike and then have a decent run okay maybe not be gustav eden on the run but maybe have a half decent race but once I got there, I realized it wasn't going to happen. I mean, I could barely even run 4.30 per K without having to stop to walk. Mm. I realized there was no chance I was going to, you know, be competitive or be at least half competitive with some of these best guys in the world. So it, it was really tough. But overall, I'm still happy I was there. Just the ambiance between the athletes and just talking to everyone and because it's very unique all the at that race all the athletes are in this one hotel mm. and in this one center everyone has the meals in the same place and even coaches and media guys everyone's there so it's really a, a place where you can you know go more in depth and talk more to people than any other race it's well put it, it actually for a lot of us especially coming out of the covid you know 18 months to be able to get together and hang out and like you said, it was almost like the old school ITU World Cups where all the countries and all the teams used to always just stay in the one hotel. 
things have changed more, I think, over the last 10 to 15 years where the U.S. hang out with the U.S. and the Germans hang out with the Germans and blah, blah. You know, everyone's all over the place. Um, you know, for most of my career, it was we all hung out in the hotel together and half my mates were German, half of them were French. You know, it was like all over the yeah. place. And But this was, it was a little bit like that. It was almost like going back in time for how events used to be where, and like you said, you could have a conversation at the dinner table that was a little bit, deeper than just saying you know how, how are you going you know it was, it, so i agree <laughs> it, was, it was special so look we're recording this on a a tuesday lunchtime what you get up to this morning what do you typically do on a tuesday um i don't have any typical days let's say uh when i was used to coach by simon lessing for example a few years back every week would have the same structure mm. but now that i'm coached by luke van Leerd and self-coach just for this little period right now Mm. You know, every, every week is different. This week in particular, I have three days easy right now. So yesterday, today, and Wednesday. So this morning, I just went out for an um, easy 60K, uh, really easy, or like recovery ride. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I don't care of the watts at all. I just try to have my lowest heart rate possible. I kind of think of it as a walk, but on the on the bike. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> is the weather all right out in Boulder at the moment for that kind of an easy ride? Uh, yeah, it's really it's been really warm, but also really windy. Mm. The last two days has been, you know, almost twenty degrees Celsius, eighteen, nineteen in the morning at like eight, nine a.m., mm-hmm. which is almost like the summer. <laughs> yeah. What is that in Fahrenheit? That's twenty or sixty-eight. There you go. So the goal of today is. To try and get to know you a little bit more, and we'll, we'll start by looking at your recent performances. We'll look at, you know, 2021, 2020, and obviously 2019. But I really do want to sort of dive into your journey into the sport because it's unlike any other. You've basically been doing it your entire life. But before we do that, in doing homework for this show, this episode, I, I came across a quote of yours that I really liked and I, and I want to share it. You said, I am driven by the fact that whatever I do in life... I want to do it extremely well to my fullest capability and discover how well I can do it. That is triathlon for me, a challenge every day to try to become better. I just like that quote, mate. I love that you're all Mm -hmm. in. I found that really an inspiring quote that this is what you're going to do and you're going to try and find, optimize your life in doing it. So let's move on to a quick recap of the past few years before we dive a little deeper, all right? Mm -hmm. 2021. Take us through this year because it looked like things were well on the way until you got sick. With a, you had a fifth, a fourth, a second, a second, and a first leading into the year. How was it? Uh, yeah, everything was rolling really good. Started the year with a, a couple training camps. Actually, three training camps. It was actually too much, too many. I, I'm not going to do as many in the future. <laughs> I'll probably go for more like a three-week training camp and that just that's it instead of three that lasted it was 10 to 12 days each mm. yeah I, I raced uh my first race was in clash miami and that was uh right after uh, a camp in kona and um i think i was a little tired it was a lot of traveling and time change and i came back to boulder just a few days before going traveling to miami in miami i was at a homestay for a little before going to the race hotel it was a little much. I was a little tired. I had an okay race. I was fifth there, but uh, definitely not what I was expecting. And then I went to what St. George was next. Mm-hmm. Yeah, St. George. Yeah. You came fourth there, yeah. Yeah, in the middle, I went to Maui for a training camp. <laughs> um, 
<laughs> yeah, I, well, that was an extra opportunity because my um, nutrition sponsor, Never Second, they flew me out there to do some uh, filming. And so I told them, okay, well, if I'm going to go there, I might as well go there for, you know, longer than just three days. So I spent, uh, what, 10 days there discovering Maui. So that was pretty awesome. Uh, I've always been just a big island. And uh, yeah, Maui was great riding, for example. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and so then I went to St. George. I had a pretty good race in St. George, but still, it, it wasn't quite there yet. Mm-hmm. Uh, I had a great swim strong first half of the bike where i felt really good my heart was really high and the well, the watts were really high especially but it didn't feel hard at all so it was a really good feeling but then towards the end of the bike i started fading and then on the run it was just hard from the first step <laughs> I, I was with the love pretty much with the level 20 seconds back at the start of the run and uh during the run well everyone saw it. <laughs> sanders versus sam long versus daniel backguard they caught me about 10K in the run. And uh, yeah, I just couldn't follow. Um, so I finished fourth after Daniel had to be, was DQ'd for some penalty issue. But yeah, so overall, it was an okay race. But yeah, I knew I could still improve. And then, uh, so I headed over to Europe beginning of June for, um, so I had a dilemma in May. I wasn't sure if I was going to do, because my original plan was to do Ironman France in June. Hmm. But that got postponed to September before the week before, two weeks before St. George Worlds. And my dilemma was, do I do another Ironman or do I do these two 70.3s? Defend my title at 70.3 European champs and then the week later do the 70.3 in France of my club, uh, or do I do a quarter lane, for example, Ironman? So I decided to do those two 70.3s instead of the Ironman because I want to prepare for it properly. I want to know from January 1st that I'm going to do my Ironman in June. Mm-hmm. The 70.3 European Champs was a frustrating race on the bike because guys like Ditlev, who are really strong riders, decided for that race somehow that they didn't want to ride and that they were going to run fast. And so uh, Kyle Smith was ahead, finished the bike with two over two, two and a half minutes on our group. I had super low watts. I mean, not that that low. I mean, I averaged 290 watts for the bike, but that was lower than usual and felt quite easy. And so that enabled me to have a breakthrough run for me um, in 109.34. Mm. Yeah, so I, I beat those guys at their own game. They wanted to have a fast run while I beat everyone from the group. Because <laughs> I was the one kind of trying to break away from that group and did like would bring them back. And then, yeah, the end, the last 30 Ks of the ride were ridiculous. Uh, 250 watts or something so um yeah that, that was good even though i got second for only 20 seconds and couldn't defend my title that i won twice in 2018 and 2019 yeah and then the week later i was in that 70.3 in um, uh, northwest france uh, at my club uh, i thought i could do well but i was uh, clearly still tired and i uh, couldn't perform at my top level I got second behind this really young uh, German guy, uh, Mika Newt, mm. who revealed himself later in the season to be really good. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's always a shock, isn't it? It's always a shock when you're like, who's right. this kid? And then you're like, ah, oh, they're really good. 
Right. And so this, I was the race where he beat me, but that was his first 70.3 ever. Hmm. And he, he was solid, but I mean, I think if I was on my best level, I was still one. I started to run ahead and he caught me after what, five, six K and when it was over. And, uh, yeah, I ran seven minutes lower than the previous week. <laughs> so I went from 109 to 116. Mm. So, um, yeah, then I went back. Uh, I was at home in France. I did a little camp in Lanzarote, first time there, uh, Club La Santa. And um, that was okay. I mean, people love Lanzarote. I didn't really love it. There's no trees. <laughs> so that's, it's kind of a weird thing to say, but it, it kind of bothered me. It was like, it wasn't very pretty there. I mean, the ocean, the, the sea is nice. But the island itself is kind of like barren. It almost seems like everything was just burned down. You know, <laughs> <laughs> you know, know it's it, like kind of dead. I, I, it's funny, you know. Even even when you're in Boulder, if you if you go out to to the east, it's kind of like you get that barren farmland type thing. You're like, oh, I need to be yeah. up in the mountains with. I need the trees around as well. If I go for runs and things, I love to run in a forest or you know, it feels. I don't know. I feel way better. I get what you're saying. Right. Yeah. I'm used to South of France and yeah, oh, the yeah. mountains. And, yeah. So that was just, and it was super windy and it was kind of, it was the windy season. Mm-hmm. Actually, didn't, I didn't enjoy Club La Santa that much. Yeah. But the, the training was fine overall. Well, the good part of Lanzarote is you can just TT on your bike for hours without stopping. <laughs> There's no lights and. Yeah, you can just go forever. I, I think a lot of people use it to get ready for sort of Kona Ironman or, you know, to the mental headspace, right? Like if just it's barren, yeah. it's windy, you don't have to stop and you can stay in that aero position and just ride. I think if you treat mm-hmm. it as work, I think it sounds like a great place to do your work, you know? <laughs> yeah, no, for sure. And, and with the 50-meter pool being on site, mm-hmm. that definitely helps as well. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, so I came back home after that and then uh, – had the Ironman 17.3 Switzerland beginning of August as kind of a preparational race. Obviously, I don't go to races to, you know, just like, oh, I'll be, I'll be fifth. It will be a training race. No, I, I still want to win and do well. Mm. But the, the periodization of my training wasn't for me to peak there. It was to peak at uh, 70.3 Worlds, well, Collins Cup and then 70.3 Worlds mm-hmm. in September. So, yeah, I, w- I won that 70.3 Switzerland. By about seven minutes, by the way, wasn't it? Like a yeah, almost seven minutes, yeah. Uh, over my good friend, Rudy Wild, who's been around for forever. Lovely guy. Yeah, he had a, he had a good race there. Mm. But um, I-, I was ahead after the bike, and I ran hard the whole way because now with the PTO points and the, the world ranking, it, it's not enough to win. You have to win in a fast time to get more points. Mm, gotcha. So, yeah, I pushed hard there, and then the day after the race, I fell sick. Wow. And yeah, pretty much. Yeah. The Monday afternoon, I started getting the chills. Monday night, I had a fever. And uh, yeah, that was the beginning of my sickness. And it was pretty bad because I had the wind tunnel scheduled in Immenstadt in Germany, mm-hmm. which was just a couple hours drive from uh, Rappersville, where I was in Switzerland. And after that, my, I was going to drive back to Southeast France from Germany which was an eight hour drive. So I did all this alone, driving, wind tunnel day, drive the eight hours back the next day. What did it have half? All just being super sick. Oh, that's the worst. I don't- yeah, so that was very bad, <laughs> 48 hours for me. Did you think you had COVID or, or had you been tested? And uh, No, I mean, I was always negative for COVID. Mm-hmm. No, I had that. My throat was really bad. 
So I, I thought maybe it was strep throat or something like that. Your glands are just completely swollen. You're like, yeah, oh. my glands were huge. <laughs> oh, I know. Yeah, that was the worst drive of my life back home. It was, I did two hours a night after the wind tunnel slept somewhere and then did six more hours the next day and just felt rubbish every hour or every 45 minutes i had to stop and take like a, a quick five minute nap wow yeah it was bad i finally made it home i saw our family doctor right that afternoon a few hours later he thought it was uh, bacterial so he gave me some antibiotics <laughs> and uh, that's supposed to have a huge effect after two three days and so after four days nothing was different yeah, so essentially after that, I went to get a mono uh, Epstein-Barr test mm. a few days after that, and that was positive. So pretty quickly, about eight days after, uh, a week or eight days after I got sick, I knew I had uh, mono, which a lot of people don't know that quick because they're kind of tired. They can do some training, but not much training. Some days they feel okay. Some days they feel terrible. Mm -hmm. And so they kind of drag it out. But I got pretty sick and yeah, I got the test pretty quick. It was pretty helpful. I mean, obviously, like any injury or sickness, the earlier you know exactly what it is, yeah. the earlier you can, you know, elaborate a plan to end it as quickly as possible. It's funny. A couple of things on what you said. Well, firstly, that horrendous car trip and having to stop every sort of hour or two. It reminds me of the two Ironmans I did do. <laughs> just horrendous yeah. and wanting to stop every couple of hours but I, I also a bit like you said in terms of when you got tested for the Epstein bar I went through a whole season in a in Australia back in oh gosh I'm aging myself um, about 97 98 and the whole season I just felt run down and tired and it wasn't until April May so coming out of the Australian season I went and got some blood work and they're like oh yeah you've had glandular fever for you know it's all in your system, you know, you, you're on the other side of it now, but that's what you've been fighting. I was like, ah, <laughs> I should have been resting. Meanwhile, I was punishing myself with the Brett Sutton squad, and, you know, and trying to race and just never feeling like I could get out of my own way. A bit like you said earlier, when you couldn't run faster than 430k pace, you know, and yeah, I, I was turning up just going, what am I doing? This is just rubbish. Just an awful, awful feeling. Now, yeah. you, you, you were still able to race a couple of times in 2020. A lot of athletes weren't able to get on many start lines. Um, were you mm -hmm. living – Did you get, were you in France in 2020 or were you still in Colorado? No, I mean, I'm, uh, my primary residence is uh, – I, I mean, I do live in Boulder. Mm. Like every year, I do little stints of racing uh, in France at home or where I stay at home. Mm -hmm. In 2020 was no exception, so I was there from. You did La, La Sable d'Olone, and uh... right, yeah. There was no racing till September, and in September finally we had uh, one of the first races in the world. Yeah, 70.3 yeah, La Sable d'Olone as my club, and um, since that that might have been the only race. Well, we thought it might maybe was going to be the only race of the year. So I told myself, you know, I have to win this. If I'm going to do at least just one race, just win the one you have. Thankfully, I did. And then I stayed in Europe a little longer because there was one of those PTO-supported races uh, really close from home mm -hmm. on this awesome, hilly technical course where I had one, one of the races that I remember my whole life where my, uh, my gears on the bike were blocked because of a battery issue not not the actual derailleur but the the blip box the battery was dead which i didn't know about so i did the whole bike and this is a 20 a 2000 meter 
of elevation Whoa. bike. So <laughs> that is more than any 70.3. Extremely hilly. I was stuck on the 52.17, which is not an easy gear. <laughs> no, but out of all the gears, it's probably not terribly bad like you know what i mean like you can it's going right. to be a grind on those climbs but <laughs> yeah <to> be stuck on. <laughs> it's probably a good one to be stuck of if you can get up the the climb yeah right yeah and so i mean at the beginning of the bike i was like okay this is over and then you know little by little got into it did these entire climbs off the saddle it was pretty fast and downhill i mean i knew those downhills and uh you know just spinning at 130 cadence and then tucking yeah, there was this uh, Juice Juice Nischlag, a uh, pretty strong German ITU guy. Mm-hmm. He was ahead after a swim, and he was ahead all day long. But I would just go max on these hills, um, you know, over 400 watts. In, in T2, I was second with only over, a little over a minute on him. And he was coming back from a run injury, so he wasn't in his best running shape either. Yeah. And uh, I ran him down and won the race, which... It was pretty exciting for me because <laughs> literally there was no way on there if I ever thought I would win that race at the beginning of the bike <sighs> or am. even at any time during the bike. <laughs> so, yeah, that was pretty fun and my parents were there. Oh, and your parents were there? That's awesome. Yeah, yeah. and then, well, there was the big uh, Daytona race at the end of the year. Yeah, Daytona was one that I think everybody thoroughly enjoyed. For a lot of people, they hadn't had any races and... um Finally, they got to have our race, and I thought they did a really fantastic job. And we can talk about that a bit later in the show. But Daytona is coming up yeah. again. It's now called Clash Endurance Daytona, um, mm-hmm. and they've got their series. And I believe you're doing that, are you? Uh, I am. Yeah, yeah, yeah perfect. Well, we'll talk about the only that. race I can do. <laughs> perfect. Yeah, well, I know the season's wrapping up, but right. what I want to do is rewind the clock now, and I'll touch on 2018, 2019 uh, towards this little bit because they were massive. But I really just want to get to know your past a little bit more because it's quite extraordinary. It's it, it's been a family journey, and I just think it's phenomenal. I even wonder if I raced your dad at some point but let's rewind that clock and and just tell me about how your passion for endurance sport began all the credit is to be given to my dad he always loved endurance sports well he was always into sports so he he went to university in the u.s he was born in in belgium and then went to university in u.s babson college and then uh, harvard for his mba and uh, so after that he had this uh, really good job in new york city and he was just walking in the street one day and came across this uh, poster on a, on the street, which said the uh, big apple triathlon <laughs> and pretty much from there on it, it hit him. And uh, to make the story short, he quit his job and went full time into triathlon. No way. And yeah. yeah. And this is, I mean, in the early eighties and this is the infancy of triathlon. He just did that, which would seem pretty crazy because I mean, he had a great job and was making good money. And we just we just went into this triathlon thing, you know, just for <laughs> the love it. of a new challenge, the love of endurance sports, and kind of doing, you know, going for what you love and makes you happy rather than, mm-hmm. you know, a good cushy job. Yeah, this love for and so he's done it ever since. And so he was 28 at that time when when he did that. And uh, yes, yeah, so ever since we I was born, and uh, my siblings, he's been doing long distance triathlon and. Yeah, he brought us to Kona when the first time I was five years old, 1998. Mm-hmm. And he was racing in the 40 to 44 age group, which he won. And uh, when he brought us back again, and when I was nine years old, and when I was 13 years old, so every four years at the time, 
And then I've, I've been multiple times since then. That, and he also brought us to, you know, Ironman Austria at uh, the time, I remember. Um, Ironman, well, Nice when he was the long distance world champs. So all these races, you know, you're there watching your dad. You see all these professionals, all these nice carbon bikes. And, uh, you know, you just want to do it. You want to be same, mm. the same as your dad, the same as this guy winning the race. And so all these trips to these races definitely shaped my passion for that. Yeah, for example, when he was on his long training runs when I was really young, we'd follow him on the mountain bike in the forest. He put me into all sorts of sports clubs when I was young. Because in France, nothing is really linked to school. So any sport, you do it outside of school. Mm-hmm. Early on, I was on the soccer uh, club and then played tennis and then was in the swim club, was in the, on the track and field. You know, I did everything, not just running. Uh, you know, I did all the... Uh, javelin and a long jump and all that <laughs> yeah and then cycling as well I had a mountain bike a road bike so I did you know just all sorts of sports he wasn't like you have to do triathlon you know he he just wanted he knew the value of sports in life just overall to be a happy human to be a healthy person health is pretty big for him mm-hmm. he got us into all that and uh, yeah I mean I, I never stopped I always loved it I was always the type that didn't really need people to have fun on my, I like I would I would have fun on my own. I didn't mind going riding for three hours alone or whatever. And yeah, I mean, I never stopped, and here I am. I, 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 it's such a great story, and it's actually a bit like I had Taylor Nib on last week, and um, she's a bit younger than you, but she said <laughs> it sounds very similar. She said, "Yeah, we were just doing long runs and bikes and things as a family every weekend from the age of." four, five, six or whatever, she said, I never knew that that wasn't the normal. Like that, she basically was a triathlete, you know, from birth. You know, it was like she was on her way and and your your story is very similar and your dad, I, I just, I love that story that he sort of just decided to go all in on his passion and, and, uh, and realize that we only have one life and you might as well give something a go. And how, how long did he race professionally for? Uh, just a few years. Yeah. Because then he um, he needed surgery on his Achilles. Mm-hmm. So that I don't know the exact timeline perfectly, but then also there's Harvard in there at one point also. Mm-hmm. Because also I mentioned Harvard before, but it might it was also it was after. So he he finished his MBA went in that period where he was recovering from his Achilles uh, surgery. Right. I'm pretty sure. Right. And then he came back uh, after all that and raced age group. But he did the, no, he did a few solid years where he was racing, you know, almost every weekend. Oh, oh, that's fantastic. And the early 80s was just so, so special and colorful and, you know, everything was new. And then the mid 80s, I think we started seeing disc wheels and the fluorescent colors coming in even more and um, just a really special time yeah, in our sport. Me the, these stories of these races were, the the water, you know, just like hard men races. Like the, the where the water was so cold and no one had a wetsuit, and you know they would just do it. I mean, the water was thirteen degrees Celsius or even colder. They would just swim, and a lot of people would be hypothermic, but <laughs> yeah. everyone would eventually get it done, and you know, just do yeah the infancy of the sport. It's pretty interesting how you know now it's like oh my god, there's too few there's the waves are too big we're mm. gonna cancel the swim everyone's scared of everything now 
<laughs> which is a little annoying, but well, it can be. I mean, I think uh, I think um, what the race directors, you know, struggle with is obviously, you know, there has been a lot of deaths. Um, we we tend to have a lot more people coming into the sport being a lot more underprepared. Um, I think in the olden days, old school days, it was people were somewhat already ready for the circumstances. They were generally fitness enthusiasts. Um, I feel like these days we get a lot more people that are, oh, yeah, I'll go do a triathlon, and they don't prepare at all. Um, whereas I think in the mid-'80s, early-'80s, and late-'80s, it was kind of, well, I'm going to do this thing called a triathlon. And, and we all approached it like, whoa, this is mega. I better prepare. Yeah. Whereas I feel like now it's like, oh, anybody can do it. And you're right. I never, ever, until probably the last 10 years, had a swim cancelled in a race. Um, didn't matter how big the surf was, how cold the water was. I didn't ever. Um, it's become kind of a normal thing. And I think race directors, yeah, it's sort of changing the race so they can look after the you know, people that are somewhat underprepared, but we also want to encourage people into the sport. So it's a fine line of what do we do? Right. But also the stories get bigger as we get older. <laughs> I mean, you know. No, but I, I think there's, this, there's a trend in this world that you need safety, obviously, but everything is, has to be over safe now. You know? mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's, it's just all about safety, safety, safety. And if there's the, the smallest risk and then you know it's not okay because safety is the most important thing you know, <laughs> here, so, I, yeah i i i hear you i really do um and i've become friends with a lot of the big race directors over the years um and, and they're kind of damned if they do and damned if they don't you know obviously they don't want to cancel swims right. they lose in both cases <laughs> unfortunately for them. but they've also told the stories of being the ones that have to call the spouse or you know when when somebody does drown or, or what and it's and you hear it from that side and you're like oh, yeah that sucks too but that's tough too. and then they're not going to keep the volunteers out there just for the professionals and not have the am amateurs do it so the, it really is it's a difficult one it's probably we could spend the whole show talking about it yeah. you know but i hear you i i get what you're saying it's definitely if i was 28 in your shoes as a professional athlete i, ha I can tell you i had the exact same <laughs> opinion yeah. i'm like just let me race you, you mentioned you had siblings. What, what have you got? And are they doing triathlon as well? So, well, they all did at one point. Well, my brother does. So my brother's six years older. Mm -hmm. He's done triathlon on enough. Of, he, he works. So on his bucket list, he wanted to be an age group world champion. So he won in the 18 to 24 age group, the ITU long distance world champs. And then recently he did the Ironman France just a month ago. He went... Uh, now I can remember 9:35. Wow. He was on my on my old Colnago bike from a couple of years ago. <laughs> yeah, I mean, solid race. I mean, with how much he was able to train, I think he did really well. He did as well as he could he could have done. Imagine, he has a, a pretty involved job. Imagine how much he could better he could have done on one of your Trek Madone or or, or some lightweight <laughs> lightweight super aerodynamic machine. <laughs> no, well, my Colnago was a great bike. I know, actually. I know, I'm teasing. <laughs> I'm trying to give your sponsor a plug, mate. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I have to be fair to everyone. <laughs> yeah, fair enough, fair enough. Well, he's on the DT Swiss wheels, so that, that was a good advantage. <laughs> <laughs> and you have a, a sister as well? Yeah, and so my sister, uh, she used to do triathlon uh, when we were younger, then she stopped uh, when she went to college, and then she got back into it um what three years ago two years ago mm -hmm. and did uh this stint where she was 
for a year and a half, two years, where she was training really hard, uh, earned her pro card. No way. And then uh, COVID came, and COVID plus this injury she got that would never leave, that kind of got the better of her for triathlon. Mm. So now she's not doing triathlon anymore. Mm. Yeah, so we're kind of, well, in and out, not me, but... My but, brother and sister. Um, but it's it's in the blood, yeah. though, isn't it? I mean, it, it's kind of like they can't escape it even if they want to. I think it's hilarious. Right, right. When, when did you realize you had some ability? Because it wasn't at the age of five, because I heard this story about your first running race. Quickly tell me about mm-hmm. that, and then we'll move forward, and you tell me about when you realized you had some ability. But tell me about that first race. Yeah, my, my first running race in this little uh, village, three three Ks from uh, home every year does this yeah, this, this, this race in these little streets of this French village, it was like our, our world champs every year. <laughs> and, uh, I was, I mean, I was obviously tiny and, uh, I was on the front line of the kids race and the gun goes off. And this thing was so loud that I was stunned. I couldn't start running and I just started crying and that was the end of my race. So I never took the first step. <laughs> I got terrorized by that gunshot. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Who was it on the show that, was it Sam Appleton? I think it was. His first race, he didn't finish either. So I think there's there's a few of you that have tried, <laughs> have, have started the sport, started your journey into endurance sport and didn't even start or, or didn't DNF, finish. Right? <laughs> I think it's brilliant. If you enjoy a beer but want to keep your clarity, stay in your game, then you have to try Athletic Brewing. I was just simply blown away by how good they taste. Just a true craft beer. Go check them out at athleticbrewing.com. That's athleticbrewing.com. So, all right, moving forward then, mate. You, you got into the sport. The family's already in, involved. Was there a point in time where you are like, you know, I guess you had that dream of wanting to be a professional athlete, but was there a point in time where you're like, huh, I think I can actually do this and I, and I have some ability? Yeah, at one point, I mean, I always had, so I was kind of a late bloomer. So when I was in, the, you know, before juniors and in juniors, uh, especially doing ITU, I was uh, kind of mid-pack. So, you know, at that point, you know, yeah, you definitely, I was still doubting at that time if I could ever be. Mm. one of the good guys in the world and then i think the big shift is when i moved to boulder to see boulders to college when i was 19 and uh you know i could kind of finally start developing my own confidence just kind of being far from home you know uk kind of enables you to develop more mm. you know i was always super skinny for example and i started uh, lifting more so I put on a bit more muscle which definitely helped so in the years following my move to Boulder, then I won uh, the Collegiate National Championship twice in 2014 and 2015. And then at that time, I was still combining IT racing and starting to do some Olympic non-draft racing, such as that St. Anthony's race I did with you. Mm-hmm. Uh, at the end of 2015, my first half Ironman, which was a challenge race. And uh, yeah, so it's in those years that I started believing, okay, uh, I can do quite well in this sport. I mean, honestly, one of my first breakthrough races was that race I've mentioned uh, where you were there. Mm. It was um, 5150, which was Olympic distance U.S. championship. And that would qualify as well for that high V race, that million dollar race. I got fourth in that race. Yeah, it, it, it was really high level. Uh, 
I ran like a 3210 or something off the bike and I was with the leaders and yeah, it was a great day overall and yeah, it was just one of my first breakthrough races. Who won that? Uh, that year... Was that Cam Dye or... Mm, no, I think it was Hunter Kemper. Oh, Hunter. Yeah, Hunter went on a real spill there where he was starting to... He won, right, well, he won he, I know he won the high V that year, which was the last year of the high V and right. $100,000 for the win. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, okay. Like, yeah. I remember running with T.O. though for a lot of that run. So where was I? Was I in it? You said I was in it. Was I off the back, was yeah. I? Yeah. Uh, on the run, you didn't end up having your best run. So I passed you in the first K of the well, run. Well, let's move on. We don't need to keep talking about this. <laughs> Gee whiz. <laughs> I'm kidding. <laughs> no, but I, I remember just being like, damn, like, I beat Greg Bennett. Like, oh. <laughs> I thought that was awesome, you know? <laughs> well, you and could... we know you were at your best, but to me, it was like, okay, this guy is a huge name in the sport, so I'm stoked I beat him and other guys too. But that's what it's about, isn't it? It's like it, it's like chopping down these, these people that, for some, you know, you put them on a pedestal and then you, you slowly crack away at them until you get them. You know, have you found that since that race, you know, going forward, you you've – You've taken down most of the biggest names in the world. Are there a few out there that you're like, oh, I've got to get him still? I haven't had a good crack at him. Gustav Eden definitely always beat me by quite a bit. Even on, on a great day in Ironman in the semi three Worlds in Nice in 2019, got off the bike with him. And yeah, I mean, his run speed was just too much for me. Uh, he ran a 108, I ran a 112. Mm. I mean, it's not like he destroyed me, but... Still, four minutes and a half. That's a long way. Marathon is yeah. quite a bit. Yeah. Yeah, and then, I mean, Jan Frodeno, uh, the first time I raced him, I think, was 2018, 70.3 World Champs. And where, obviously, he won in the awesome, awesome race with Alistair and Javier. And uh, I was 10th that day. Yeah, a few guys like that. But uh, throughout the years, I've been able to, to beat some big names, especially the one I remember was 2019 European 70.3 European chance where I had that big battle against Javier Gomez, which was, I think, and everyone else would think, uh, in close to his peak shape. I mean, it was that year where he kind of got back to WTS ITU racing, mm -hmm. and he was consi consistently second, third, fourth, fifth at worst. So, you know, he was top level World Series racing. And we know that if you're at that level in World Series, a 70.3 is not that far off. Yeah, it was pretty much the best race of my life to date on that day. And I was a bit able to beat him by 11 seconds in the end. That was massive, yeah. I actually remember that. You know, I'm obviously, I've been good friends with Javi for about 15 years. And, uh, and I remember watching your performance there because it was the bike that you laid down. I think you put like four minutes into him on the bike. And, and then I know yeah. he, he ran incredibly fast. And I think, yeah. <laughs> you, but you just held him off, right? <laughs> yeah, well, it was crazy. So he had he had 40 or 45 seconds out of the swim, mm. which I caught up after 10 50, or 15 Ks of the bike. And then I rested for literally two minutes. And then I just went all in because, I mean, I knew he was the guy to be in this race. I was defending champion from 2018 mm. so i knew i had to have a gap at least you know three minutes off the bike i put down the best power of my life had an awesome bike and uh, was alone off the front i finished the bike with three minutes and 40 seconds on him 
and he put down a 107.45 run, <laughs> <laughs> which, you know, that means I have to run at worst of 111, you know, to hold him <laughs> off. And so he almost caught me after 14K. <sighs> and at that point, but I still had something left. So that's my typical thing, you know, when he's getting almost closing, but still maybe 10 seconds back, you know, surge and go for death, you know, just give it all I have. And if he catches me, well, then it's maybe over, but at least make it really hard for him. And, uh, he got a, a stomach cramp at that point. Because he said he, he does have that, same as in South Africa. Yeah, he's had before. it a few times. He's had it a couple of times, yeah. yeah. When he's pushing at the end of a 70.3 and he has to do that extra little effort, he, he, he kind of gets that. Mm. And so I got a bit of a gap and then it went away for him and then he started catching me again. And I remember at 500 meters to go to the finish, we go around this lighthouse and uh, he was like right there, like <laughs> 10 seconds back. And I was like, oh, my God, all this. Because I, I then I thought, okay, he's dropped. I thought I'm going to win. And so then I just sprinted for life <laughs> in the last 500 meters. Highest heart rate in my life at the end of a 70.3. I think I hit 191 or something. <laughs> and, <laughs> and I got him. I, I kept the gap 11 seconds. Uh, that was a really thrilling race. That is thrilling. And, and the, the self-talk that you kind of described there, you know, it, it's easy to talk about now, but the suffering that you're feeling at the time and, and you know you have this moment. You have this moment in your life to do something amazing. The, the legs are saying, you know, please stop, please stop, please slow down. The heart's, yeah. the heart's screaming at you and the brain is having this, this conversation with the body going, you've got this one moment to probably take down one of the greatest of all time to do our sport and he's in great shape that you potentially could, could take. You know, it's like you you took the opportunity and you made it happen, you know, and, and that's a tremendous yeah. feeling. I mean, these races are so mental. Mm -hmm. Obviously, you need, you need to be physically fit and fast, but the, the whole run, you know, I knew he was catching me. I knew he was going to get close. In the whole run, I was preparing myself well, already not to lose a second anywhere, but then I was preparing myself to, I was telling my head, you know, you're going to have to enter the third dimension. That's what I was telling myself, <laughs> which to me meant, you know, just, 100% full out, full gas, max effort. You know, something you can hold only a few Ks at the end of a half marathon. But I was like, that's what it's going to take. And yeah, I kind of saw it as an opportunity. You know, I was like, well, if I win, this will be, this would be amazing. Obviously, if you can take down a guy like that. As you said, it was kind of a defining moment. I remembered I raced probably my whole life. And he's probably one of the, the most, the nicest, most gentleman-like people you could ever meet um i'm sure Definitely. he was he was absolutely wonderful crossing the line and 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 giving you all the kudos and respect he's just a, a great champion of the sport you know yeah uh, his career is remarkable uh, remarkable right nobody's yeah, won more than he is nobody's won more two years before in uh chattanooga was my first 70.3 world in 2017 mm. where he won and uh yeah, that, that was one of my memories of him. Yeah. Well, mate, that fantastic. And thanks for sharing that story because it's uh, very inspiring. I, I, I can I can feel your pain just through <laughs> the way you yeah. describe it. Uh, I just think it's fantastic. Now, a quick question before we do some rapid fire questions. Did you have a choice to which country to race for, your citizenships and things? Was that ever a question? France, 
U.S., Belgium? Yeah, so I was living in south of France, but I'm not French. I don't have the French nationality, so that was not an option. Oh. And uh, so when I started racing ITU and wanted to make you know world champs or European champs teams in ITU, um, the closest country of where I was from is Italy. Huh. So it was Italy or U.S. essentially, and while well, living in southeast France, I'm really close from Italy. You know, yeah, I had to go do some selection races in Italy, so that made complete sense. So I, I, I raced for Italy for a few years there, and then in 2013, when I moved to the U.S., then it made way more sense for me to race for the U.S. I switched nationality. I had one year of that racing for ITU flag, and uh, yeah, I mean, ever since been racing for U.S. But I think I knew. I mean, I, I identify more as being American than Italian. I grew up in France, so I kind of have a French culture. My whole life, I mean, I knew I was American, born in the U.S. My dad always told me, because he had such a great experience in college in the U.S., that he always told us, you know, when, when you'll be of age, you'll, you'll go study in the U.S. So, you know, you, you, I kind of always have that in you. Well, I mean, it's it's a great country if you if you want to give something a go. It, it is a, a, a place where they tend to pull you up rather than pull you down, um, whether that's in sport or business or entrepreneurship. It's a it's a it's an it's a culture. It's an uplifting culture for the most part. Um, well, that's my right. experience anyway. I mean, I'm, I'm shouldn't be no, so generalized. My dad's experience. It, it might be changing slightly now, but mm. yeah, that was definitely his experience and, mm. and what he wanted for us. And yeah, France can be quite different. Mm. For that, especially sports related. Well, I'm glad you. I'm glad you're here. I think it's great. Like I said in the intro, that there's yourself, there's Ben Canute, Sam Long. It's a tremendous group that are coming through and reshaping uh, the sport of triathlon uh, for the U.S. men. Uh, that's just the middle distance group in the ITU group. There's you know Kevin McDowell and Morgan Pearson and and numerous others that are doing a tremendous job there too. So it's nice to see the U.S. men finally. I feel like we've been waiting a yeah. while, but finally are here. <laughs> yeah, and we hope to, to do more. Absolutely. The ultimate one would be bring down the Ironman World Champs crown. Well, you're all still young. You're all still young. I mean, that's it. You, you guys are a young group. You've got another decade, um, I believe, to, to really show your stripes. So, um, right. for sure. Well, let's do some fun rapid-fire questions. Um, I know I've had you for a while, but I want to have some of that. And then if we have a little bit of time left, I want to sort of look at some of your core training and bits and pieces. But let's do some rapid-fire mm-hmm. questions. You up for it? Yeah, let's do it. All right, here we go. What is your favorite family vacation? Skiing in Austria. Oh, we used to go every year. Beautiful. All right. What are you currently watching on Netflix or you, whatever you stream? I just finished uh, Squid Games. Oh, I heard that's really good. Yeah. <laughs> it was it was weird. I'm actually I'm it was entertaining, but I'm not convinced I'm into it. Yet. <laughs> <laughs> All right. First car you owned? Subaru Outback, typical Boulder car. <laughs> it is. That used to be like every single car around. All right, question from a listener. Jason Cole wrote me and said, Greg, can I ask a question? I said, sure. And so the question is, and I've changed it just a little bit, um, would you rather five second places at Kona Ironman World Championships or win it once? Yeah, I think definitely win it once. Yeah, I think so. Because, I mean, there's nothing like the win. You're a world champ. I agree. (laughs) Okay. Two (laughs) most used apps on your iPhone or your Android or whatever you're using? Uh... Probably Instagram. Even though I try, I'm more and more. I'm aware of the problems of being on my phone too much. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to have discipline for that. Good man. So Instagram and what else? You allowed a second one? 
YouTube, even though I don't think that one's bad. I mean, I, I, I don't watch that many stupid videos. I watch a lot of triathlon related where I, I learn a lot mm-hmm. and uh, other competitors. And I love to watch cycling. Yeah, that, that's not necessarily YouTube. That's also just other cycling apps. Always learning. I like it. All right. Out of 10, how cool would you say you are? Oh, um, I think I'm decently cool. Maybe a seven. <laughs> nice. Nice. Well done. A little bit of confidence. Most, <laughs> most of my guests have been somewhere between a three and a five. <laughs> a seven uh, is... Well, that's like you think you're like a piece of shit. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. I think you're cooler than a seven, mind you. But I, we'll start at seven and we'll see how you go for the next 10 questions, all right? Okay. That might reshape it. All right. What dinner could you prepare? What's a, what's a great dinner that you like to prepare? Um, I mean, I cook simple things. Great dinner. I don't know. The, the word gray is kind of throwing me off because... I don't think I can cook a great dinner. Um, <laughs> <laughs> All right, just tell me a dinner that you would prepare. If I was coming over, we were hanging out, and said, oh, Greg, I'll fix your dinner. What would you make me? Well, I really do like gnocchis. Oh. So I can make, I could make uh, like griddle gnocchis. So it's with butter and then you put them in the pan and one side gets all crunchy and that's wow. super good. That sounds all right. All right, I'm on my way. Um, all right, let's, let's have three guests that you, non-family that you'd invite to that dinner. Three guests in my family. Um, Dane to Triathlon and Jan Ferdano. And then uh, I'll probably stay in the sports realm for now. Um, maybe um, or some... Uh, I have so many names coming in my head right now. <laughs> <laughs> it's not an easy one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. We've got Jan Ferdino. Jan, we can probably make that happen, actually, at least at the yeah, Collins well, Cup Yeah, well, I did talk to him in uh, the Collins Cup is pretty cool and uh well well there was this other question you might ask me later where i would have another answer okay all right well let, let, <laughs> let's let's come back to this one three guests and if another name pops in we'll, we'll throw it in later but let's keep moving it on all right mm-hmm. what's something new happening in your life right now uh well it's not new new but i've been seeing this new girl that's been great so uh, fairly new great is she a triathlete herself uh, yeah, amateur triathlete. All right. Good. She'll understand all your carryings on. Perfect. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Uh, what time of day are you most productive? Your morning person or night person or daytime? Mm, I'm not a full-on morning morning because, well, overall I'd say I am a morning person, but I'm not the type that I'll wake up at 6 a.m. for no reason because sleep is, in, sleep is important as a professional athlete. Uh, usually around mid-morning, I'd say. Okay, mid-morning. Productive. First job? Professional triathlete. All right, good man. <laughs> <laughs> Which decade of music is best? Just this past decade. This past decade? Really? Yeah. Okay. Well, current, essentially. That's what I like. Okay, all right, well... Remember, these all go towards how cool you are, but okay, no, we'll keep it there. All right. <laughs> all right. If you could be transformed into one animal, which one would you choose? A bird. Yeah. Any particular mm-hmm. one or just any? Uh, just any, just because you can, flying it must be the most amazing thing and you can just go anywhere. True. So easily. Unless you're a kiwi bird or a where is somewhere you haven't been you'd like to go 
probably Japan. Hmm. I love Japan. I love it. Yeah, some some great skiing and just such a different culture. I feel like it'd be interesting. Uh, I really, I thought every time I went, I mean, we we went probably two to three times a year for almost ten years, and it was just the people and the culture were just first class. Loved it. Loved every experience in Japan. So that's a that's a great choice. All right, hmm. greatest movie of all time. The OG Gladiator with Russell Crowe. Mm. That was a great movie. <laughs> yeah, amazing. I do like that one. All right. Um, last question. What were you doing immediately before you sat down to record this episode? I was having breakfast. That was After it? my morning session, <laughs> like I always do. Very good. All right, mate. Well, that was that was good for the rapid fire. Now, let, I just want to before I let you go, I want to. We haven't touched terribly much on what uh, your training looks like on sort of a, on a weekly thing, and I wonder if you'd be okay just sharing a little bit of what that looks like. Um, but before yeah. we do, do you have a night routine or a morning routine that you like to follow? Um, you know, do you go to bed at a certain time or do you wake up at a certain time or is it just kind of whenever? Yeah, I mean, I always uh, try to go to bed or get ready for bed at 10 p.m. Mm-hmm. And then morning, yeah, I always wake up around maybe 7.30. And uh, I always just, when I wake up, so I, I don't have my phone as a rule next to my bed mm-hmm. because that just kind of keeps your mind awake even at night. Or in the morning, and I, I don't want the first thing I do to, to look at my phone. Mm-hmm. My phone is just a, a little further away in my room. I make my bed because it's just a good habit of starting your day with getting something done. Yeah, usually I'll, I'll watch, look at my phone after that because also I have a lot of people that I'm in contact with. For It can be sponsorship or coach or mm-hmm. whatever that are in Europe eight hours ahead. So the, the morning for me is important for that. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, yeah, I'll just go straight and have breakfast, drink a Rejoy, and uh, get ready for my first session, which is always around maybe 9 a.m. I like I like the little sponsorship plug for Rejoy in there. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you, you're not a coffee drinker or you just have the Rejoy? Uh, no, I'm not a coffee drinker. So I never, never like coffee. No. And, uh, yeah, there's this one of these Rejoys has a bit of has 75 milligrams of caffeine, so that's about a coffee. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, it's just really good, clean drink. So something I can drink a lot, and it won't be bad for me. No, I like and, it. And uh, yeah, just good, good, good way to get hydrated because we're always dehydrated after a night of sleep. So. Mm-hmm. All right, let's look. Let's look at the the training. A typical week. Are you somebody a high volume athlete, or you, where do you find your happy medium with your training? Is it short and intense, or are you a longer, slow mileage type athlete? Uh, yeah, definitely. I'm more of a, a, a more mileage of the low intensity type of athlete zone two athlete. I wouldn't say I'm on super high volume because I mean I just don't have enough energy for that i mean it's just you know some people can accept different uh, amounts of volume i mean I'm, I'm on fairly high volume but not like these guys that tell you they do 35 hours every week either they're lying or they're exceptional one-of-a-kind athlete that can sustain that I, I always feel like when i hear that 35 hour plus they're basically dawdling around on a bike for probably 20 hours of that right yeah a lot of of, of bike miles 
Yeah, so I'm, I'm I average around maybe 25 hours, mm. which is a solid amount. I mean, you can do a lot of swimming, biking, running. That's a in lot that amount of time. No, that's a lot. But it's not, you know. I've barely ever done over 30 hours. Like my peak weeks are 28, 29 hours. Do you think it'll change when you do a bit more prep for Ironman? Mm, I don't think I'll go much over 30 hours, honestly, because I mean, there's no point in talking about one week. You know, it's a string of weeks that make Mm -hmm. you, of many weeks and months that make you a good athlete. So it's much better to do five weeks at 27 hours then two weeks at 33 and then you're tired and you're doing 18, you know, mm-hmm. I so like I'm that. always thinking kind of that long-term. Yeah. And just consistent approach. I like that. I like that. Well, on that, let's talk about your, your team because you've been working with uh Luke Van Leert as a coach for a few years now. Yeah. Since beginning of 2018. Yeah. And boy, we've seen some tremendous gains since you started working with him. You know, is his coaching philosophy pretty much what you're you're saying? Like, it's all about consistency, not overdoing any one week, just going for longevity. Uh, yeah, essentially, he he doesn't he's he's pretty careful because he was injured a lot in his career, and so he's careful with his athletes for that. Mm. And uh, he works in a scientific way. He works with the um, lactate, the VLA max. So there's the, the VO2 max, which is your use of oxygen, and there's the VLA max, which is your use of lactate. Well, not really your use, but how your body uses its energy. Hmm. So, for example, if your, red, your energy is readily available, such as a sprinter, or an Ironman athlete is opposite. It's not readily available, and your VLA is low, which means you can, if you're really fit, you can go for a long time, but you don't have that, that high-end uh, energy. Mm-hmm. So for half Ironman, for example, you want to be somewhere in the middle. And uh, yeah, so he works with that. And, um, and so the results of those tests told me early on in 2018, yeah, I mean, you have to do, have to do more base work, zone two work, mm-hmm. which surprisingly, doing way less intervals on the bike, for example, really increased my power, my high end, my race power. Isn't that incredible? Yeah, and uh, I mean that's for example what um, Tade Pogacar's mm-hmm. coach advocates a lot too. Is that that low intensity mitochondria building endurance riding that really can really increase your power in the end, your your high end power. And, and I think it also it just keeps you fresher for when you do need to do the interval work. You're not as wiped out from it. You know? Right, exactly. You can really absorb the work you actually mm-hmm. do. Mm-hmm. And almost be excited about the workout, you know? You, you get like yeah. excited oh, to do definitely. an interval workout. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, So you've got Luke Van Leard in, in your corner and then you've got your folks. Are they still around then a bit? Are they living in the south of France or where do they live? Yeah, my parents are in the south of France and well, obviously, I mean, they're my number one supporters. Mm. They've supported me my entire life, got me into it. You know, I can't tell you how many times my mom and dad uh, drove me to swim practice and run practice and all that. Mm. And uh, and then without even saying financially, obviously, through the, my early years in uh, racing professionally. Mm-hmm. Then on top of them. But so, yeah, now my parents are not as involved anymore. Obviously, I'm in a different continent. I have my whole real team, let's say, set mm-hmm. up so with my coach that we talked about with uh, my strength coach, Aaron Carson, my agent, um, Jackie, who's in, in France, 
who else? Uh, I just started with a, a new doctor, just because I've never had a doctor. Really. So every time I had a problem, you know, I didn't really have anyone to talk to who was a doctor. And now <laughs> it's you know it's part of the 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 habits sort of the uh, the things I try to have around me yeah. to be more professional. You know, to just have a good doctor who, yeah. who understands pro athletes. Good. So um, yeah. No, I mean, that's about it. I mean, in the end, I'm the one doing the work every single day. It's not like there's someone with me here every day. Are you Are you ever traveling with a team? Uh, you know, do you have a bodywork specialist or anybody travel with you to events? Or? No, not for that. Um, I do have someone in, uh, in Boulder here for massage. It's really good. But, well, hopefully I can start being... I was going to say start having more money to because I mean all these things are an investment obviously if if you're starting to fly with your physical therapist massage therapist I mean, obviously it has a cost absolutely but, I was, uh, I was having this same conversation with Sam Long um, I can't remember if it was in his episode or post and I was explaining to him that you know Laura and I would always put 15% of our income towards travel another 15% would go towards um, body work or you know and and our team of people and it actually you know if you're both doing reasonably well it actually becomes quite a kitty that you can kind of play with um and so for yeah. travel it meant we would be able to travel business class across oceans that was our rule um again i'd try and do that on points and look for deals and everything else i never just blew out money on business class tickets but um right. and then and then for our team for body work it was kind of like i i, I could get my head around a lump sum of money each year more than i could a hundred dollars a visit per week it kind of felt like oh that feels like a lot but if i just budgeted it look you're going to spend five grand there it is just put it there don't think about it it was like okay that's my body work money and i don't have to think about it you know yeah i agree yeah that, that is a better way to do it <laughs> <laughs> so i know i had actually sam call a week or two ago and he goes you know i'm gonna do this with this guy do you think that's what i should be doing i'm like yeah i think reinvesting in yourself you know you can put your money in the stock market or you can back yourself either way it's an investment right um mm -hmm. so i love the fact that you're thinking that way that you're building your team that you've got surrounded aaron carlson has been mentioned on this show probably more than anybody else <laughs> she's uh working with a lot of you guys and doing incredible work there with the strength and conditioning yeah and i've worked with i have to mention i've worked with uh chris lee as well in boulder mm. who's one of the other awesome uh, strength coaches in boulder yes and i worked with him for a few years and uh he was a great coach um i switched to aaron just to do something different to like kind of a new challenge mm -hmm. he he really helped me for example with uh increasing my power on the bike through glute use well it's like you said earlier in the show you've always been a fairly lean athlete and, and holding muscle is going to be something that you have to focus on it was a bit like my wife laura she you know was always very lean and had to work a lot more on the holding muscle throughout a season mm -hmm. i didn't have that problem so it was never concerned yeah and that that reminds me uh of when we were talking about when i caught mono mm. i lost 10 pounds in 10 days well which was a huge amount of weight to lose i mean 10 pounds is what is almost five kilos Mm. I was five kilos in 10 days and well, I was already fairly lean and I was extremely skinny then that after get, that. That gets scary. That gets really Which scary. I've had to, yeah, I've had to try to gain back. But I mean, it, it, it was a lot of muscle. So my, my, like, for example, my uh, quads were half the size. 
Wow. And I don't think they're there yet. <laughs> so it takes time to build muscle back, which I all lost in just 10 days. It was wow. crazy. That's amazing. Yeah. I mean, and the yeah. human body is quite fascinating, isn't it? I mean, the way it operates and the what, what we fuel it with and how we keep it going and consistency. It, it truly yeah. is amazing. Your, your sponsors, you mentioned, uh, who, who have you got on board now as your, as your big sponsors? But you mentioned a nutrition company that you took you for a photo shoot in Maui, which sounds pretty yeah, fantastic. So that's, uh, that's Never Second. That's a, a new uh, nutrition company founded by um, Asker Jokendrup, who's a leading uh, sports nutritionist, who's kind of based more on uh, facts, so no gimmicks, just, you know, have a brand that's it's, it's what science has proved has worked, nothing else, you know? Mm-hmm. So it's actually fairly similar to Morton. Okay. It's uh, very simple, really good on your stomach. You can absorb it really well. And uh, so essentially have you can take more carbs per hour and absorb it and not have any uh, GI problems. So that, that's been a good partnership. Then uh, Trek Bikes, uh, that's, it's been my dream sponsor ever since uh, following Lance Armstrong on a Tour de France when I was young. <laughs> He's he was always on track and the U.S. Postal team and then Discovery Channel team. So I've always wanted to be on track. What a great company! Yeah, I was with them the last couple of years of my career, and Mark Andrews and the whole team doing fantastic work. Right, still Mark. Uh, he, he's been awesome, and uh, yeah, they just treat their athletes really well. Yeah, and I'm happy to have signed for two more years. Oh, congrats! Well done. Thank you. I'm also with this. Uh, mentioned this French club, and with and um frederick van leard was on was is on the club too and uh they kind of signed me because he retired he's still with the club but you know they needed they wanted a new athlete that's uh, still racing yeah les sables les sables vendée well la vendée is the the region Mm -hmm. and uh it's where they have these boat races uh, around the world it it starts from that town which Mm -hmm. is pretty cool yeah yeah so that's uh, a good sponsor of mine and then there's Ecoy as well, um, the helmets and glasses. Uh, they're they're close from uh, where I grew up in France, in Southeast France, their headquarters. Mm-hmm. So that's been an, another really good partnership. And then, um, yeah, my bike, DT Swiss Wheels. Uh, it's kind of the same thing. There's always kind of a, a story from a long time ago. DT Swiss was the first pair of wheels that my dad bought me as like my kind of my race wheels <laughs> when I was young. It was like the top end aluminum wheels at the time. I remember them feeling awesome. So yeah, kind of continued DT Swiss, which is I think is pretty cool. That is cool. I'm thinking of the the logos I've on my suit. I mean, the PTO has been pretty great uh, for us athletes with their uh, yearly bonuses, payments, supporting the athletes during COVID with those uh, paying prize money for races, adding races. So, uh, and races like Collins Cup as well, if you can qualify. Yeah, the PTO have been extraordinary. Actually, I'm going to have Sam Renouf on the show in a couple of weeks, who's the PTO CEO. Um, got a, quite a few big announcements coming up. And uh, so he said he'll come on the show once everything's rock solid. Um, so we'll find yeah. out more in the next couple of weeks. Um, oh, yeah, that would be great. Yeah. Yeah, hopefully some, yeah, because actually that reminds me, I was thinking about my calendar for next year. And because Ironman came out with their mm. their first few races for the year, and I was already, you know, here we're always doing our plans in our heads, but I was forgetting about the PTO races. Maybe to have some big races in the first part of the year. So there's there's going to be a to lot. There's a lot on the calendar as the world opens up. It's like suddenly, you'd be yeah. like, I mean, one of the perks of COVID was. Uh, 
when we got to see you guys race, the fields were outstanding. It was like a world championship each time. Um, right. You yeah. Know, and then we go back to non-COVID. It's like, ah, now they're all over the place and we only get to see them all come together, you know, maybe mm, for Kona yeah, no, or I whatever. It, it would definitely be better for triathlon and that's what the PT is trying to do is yeah, uh, kind of get all the pros to race these few top top races that have a lot of prize money and mm. can get some uh, TV coverage and, you know, just these really cool events such as Daytona last year. Yeah. Well, even the Collins Cup, I think I saw the numbers on and that. The how Collins many, Cup. The, how many sure. views it got was unbelievable. So they've done a great job. Mate, I have kept you for so long, but I want to finish with just, I like to always finish with these two questions. What is one tip you have for people on how to optimize their life? Yeah, well, for me, uh, I kind of touched on it, but for me, a discipline, just self-discipline is a big thing. Mm-hmm. Keep yourself accountable. It can, reminds me of a, a quote of uh, Elliot Kipchoge. Without discipline, you're a slave to your needs and passions. And essentially, that's it. I mean, we all have these, we all want things, you know, have have needs or whatever, or just, you know, we're like kind of in, internally whining for something. Mm-hmm. And if you don't have discipline, well, you're a slave to that. and you're not a master of yourself and discipline can really move you forward uh, in life for whatever you want to achieve. I really like that. It's like this, um, my, the way I kind of like to describe it is, you know, are you in control of your life? Are you taking 100% responsibility for your thoughts, choices and actions? You know, and the, mm-hmm. the, when you do do that, it's amazing how empowered you are to go take on the world. Do you know what I mean? If you can get the basics right, if you can take, you know, control of yourself and, and take 100% responsibility, you know, stop blaming and complaining and control exactly. what you can control. Yeah, you have so many people that are just lazy or just blame external forces mm. for their own shortcomings. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. discipline can definitely help with all that. Yeah, and it takes work. It takes practice. It takes a lot That's of practice. Right. Yeah, yeah. Um, all right, I really like that, mate. Thank you. And okay, if you could sit and have a coffee with any living person, who would it be and why? Yes, yeah, so I, I have two for that. Um, I just mentioned Elliot Kipchoge, I think would be really interesting to talk to because kind of his life philosophy mm-hmm. and obviously linked to him being one of the best athletes in the, the world has ever seen. Mm-hmm. So it would just be really interesting to pick his mind on that. Yeah, just go through his process and things like that. Mm-hmm. I got to get I mean, him on the show. A big thing I'm I'm interested in is just yeah, optimizing my performance. Mm-hmm. And then non sports related doesn't matter what political party you are, but I think a Trump or an Obama really both would be super interesting to talk to because I mean they <laughs> obviously from their position as president mm-hmm. that would be a fascinating conversation into things that we really don't know about. Yeah. So long as they sit down and they have to tell you everything and they have to tell the 100% the yeah, truth. Yeah, well, that would never happen, <laughs> obviously. But yeah, I was thinking about that, you know, like obviously there's a lot they wouldn't say, but it would still be really interesting no, because it's something sure. completely different as being an athlete. All right. Well, that, yes, that's your dinner. That's yeah. your dinner then. You've got Barack Obama, Donald Trump, and Jan Fredino. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> I want to come to that dinner. I'll be your waiter. I want to hear that one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right, mate. This has been fantastic. Um, you know, what, what's next then? You've got uh, the Clash Endurance Daytona uh, in a couple yeah, of weeks. Yeah, that, that'll be my, my little world champs. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Having missed the, the actual 70.3 world champs. And then. Uh, 
Yeah, I just built for 2022 and my first Ironman, which has been a big goal of mine. And, and is that still going to be Ironman France or, or what are you thinking for that first? Yes, yes, Ironman France and Nice, uh, very close to where I grew up. I was thinking lately, I mean, it's possible because you know how some races now they've had only pro women or only pro men. Right. I might get super unlucky and them having a pro women only race or something like that. Oh, yeah. I don't know. I hope not, but... If that doesn't happen, I'll do another one, maybe Frankfurt, which is close to that day, or some big Ironman, probably in Europe, just because overall, the bike courses, I'd say, are more fun in Europe. So Yeah, you, you got to write the race director in, or Andrew Messick, if you're listening, um, you know, make sure that Ironman <laughs> Nice, yeah, being that I it mean, is they've, you. they've always had it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. The, the two years ago when they canceled it, it was supposed to be the first year it was going to be pro men only. Oh, oh! Well, then oh. you still might you might get lucky. So we'll see. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right, mate. Well, this has been fantastic. I know you've got other things you could be doing with your your downtime on your day off, but I truly appreciate you for coming on and and just sharing your your story, your journey. Um, and all your knowledge, mate. I really appreciate it. And, uh, you know, I'm a huge fan. I sit on the sideline and I, 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 you know, you and I have sort of chatted, you know, direct message on Instagram or whatever. You know, I'm a fan of what you're doing. So just just keep plugging away, mate. I, I, I really appreciate you. Thanks a lot, Greg. Yeah, it's been really nice uh, chatting and I've been listening to your podcast. I think I was one of the OG listeners because you had all these awesome guests. <laughs> so it's been nice to be to be on here too oh thanks mate i i really appreciate that i i almost asked you in the rapid fire question how many episodes of the greg bennett podcast you listen to and i'm like uh, i'm not sure i know he's listened to a couple but i <laughs> i appreciate yeah, you yeah, saying yeah. that though uh, it's fantastic mate well for everybody listening um i truly appreciate you as well um thank you for sharing the show and all your feedback i really appreciate it. please keep it coming um and you can find all the show notes timestamps, links and coupon codes at bennettendurance.com forward slash media thanks a lot for listening to be with champions if you enjoyed the show your support would truly be appreciated you can visit the be with champions patron page or you can subscribe with your podcast app of choice don't miss the next episode so subscribe and be notified for show notes if you want to know more please visit bennettendurance.com I'm Phil Liggett, and on behalf of Greg Bennett, here's to the next time, and I hope you will join Greg again very soon.